This is Cover 2, a podcast on the Cleveland Browns. Hit! Browns are going to win! Mayfield, end zone, Landry, touchdown! With Dan Kadar and Browns beat writer Nate Ulrich of the Akron Beacon Journal and Ohio.com. With Steve Dorshuk from the Canton Repository. Browns fans, now, Cover 2, a podcast on the Cleveland Browns. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Cover 2 podcast, a podcast on the Cleveland Browns. Uh, this is Dan Kadar from the Beacon Journal, joined by Nate Ulrich. Nate, how have you been? I've been doing pretty well, Dan, just uh, adjusting like all of us to life uh, amid a pandemic and you know, I'm used to working at home this time of year when the Browns are in their off season. But, you know, my wife's working from home. We have a five-year-old and a one-year-old. They're both home. So it's been quite an adjustment. Yeah, it's been weird. And I apologize to everybody that we haven't um, done podcasts the last couple of weeks. You know, I I think the last day I worked at the office, um, I don't remember what date it was at this point, but I took my recorder home just in case, and it is in case, but the way my schedule has worked, it's been extremely hectic. So um, in between the governor talking every day, the president talking every day, some of the county officials talking um, regularly, just haven't had time to to do stuff. It's been a, it's been a whirlwind, quite frankly, but we do thank you for listening. Um, and if you're not, please subscribe to us and we'll, we'll try and get going, um, a little bit more. We'll see. But for now, we are going to talk about the moves the Browns have made in free agency a little bit today. They've signed 10 players, which is a pretty big group, if you ask me. So we're going to go over some of those. We're going to talk draft a little bit. We're going to talk, uh, some, some away from sports type stuff, if you're looking for, for that kind of thing, away, away from live sports at least, because there, there are none unless you live in Bulgaria. Um, we'll talk about how this coronavirus stuff is, is affecting the NFL in general. Maybe we'll talk about a wild card game being on Nickelodeon, who knows. But we'll get into all that, maybe a little more, maybe a little less. But Nate, free agency, I said the Browns signed 10 players. The big names are obviously Austin Hooper and Jack Conklin. Those are, those are the big ones, but there are eight others. Which has been your favorite move of free agency for the Cleveland Browns? Well, my favorite's been Conklin, just because we talked about on this podcast many times, Dan, that the biggest needs heading into this offseason were what I like to call the, the edges of the offense, uh, of the offensive line, and that's tackle and tight end. And, you know, they go out and they get Jack Conklin, the, the most coveted right tackle on the market, and they lock him up on, on the first day of the negotiating period uh, back on March 16th. And, um, you know, he's a guy who, who got injured uh, a couple years ago with a, a torn ACL and then and had a, an injury plagued. Uh, 2018, but he had a big bounce back year in a contract year last year. The 
the Titans declined to pick up the fifth year option on his rookie contract. And, uh, you know, it, the stars aligned for him to become a free agent. Uh, and he put together, like I said, uh, uh, you know, a big rebound year. Um, let's just say if, if Baker rebounds, uh, Baker Mayfield rebounds the way Jack Conklin did, the Browns are going to be, uh, you know, a, a playoff team whenever football resumes here. So, uh, Jack Conklin put together 19 starts, all 16 games of the regular season, and then three in the playoffs as the Titans win in the AFC Championship, and played really well for him, and, and played really well the past um, you know, two seasons when, when, he, when he was healthy in that, in that injury played year, and played well um, specifically uh, you know, in the zone blocking scheme that, that's been there since Mike Rabel and his staff got there in, in Tennessee, so... It's a fit for the Browns uh, in terms of the scheme. It's a fit in terms of a glaring need, and you get a really, really good player. You know, we the thing is, Dan, we talk a lot about Joe Thomas, and rightfully so, mm-hmm. future Hall of Famer. Browns have been, you know, searching for a left tackle ever since he retired after the 2017 season. You know, we, we don't really talk about this in, in terms of, of, of right tackle, but I think the same can kind of be said for the Browns have been searching and trying to, to really find a good long-term solution ever since they let Mitchell Schwartz leave at right tackle at free agency um, you know, 2016. And look what he did and has done uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs and the way he played in the playoffs and was a huge part of their – run to the Lombardi trophy. So I think Jack Hopkins gives him a chance to, to right that wrong all these years later and really become a, a stabilizing force there. So he's my favorite. Uh, I like Austin Hooper too, because again, the edges of the offense, I'm talking about tackles and tight ends being the biggest needs and, and he feels that. Um, I think he is a guy who has so much potential and got a huge payday, a record setting payday. So you kind of look at that and say, well, is that too much? But that's the nature of free agency. You're always going to overspend to some extent. And he was right there with George Kittle and Travis Kelsey statistically at the midpoint of last season. Then he got hurt. Uh, You know, he had a sprained MCL, missed three games, came back, finished the season. But, you know, the production that he had with the Falcons last year really dropped off after that injury, as you'd expect, and then, he didn't finish with nearly what he was on pace to do, obviously missing the three games and, and then playing, you know, coming off a, a sprained knee. So, you know, he's a guy who, to get excited about, I think. So I like both those. Conklin's my favorite of them all. Uh, in terms of the second wave of them, Dan, I, you know, a lot of one-year deals for defensive guys. Um, actually, yesterday uh, they had a two-year deal for Adrian Claiborne, veteran defensive end. I like Carl Joseph out of all those guys. First-round pick of the Raiders, uh, safety, uh, 2016 uh, first-round pick, just like um, Jack Conklin was a 2016 first-round pick. Uh, I think Carl Joseph was playing the best ball of his career last year, and then he had a foot injury that put him out, uh, you know, slightly past the half point, uh, the, the midway point of the season. But he was making some clutch plays for him. To, to help him close out games right before this foot injury. And I think he actually hurt the foot with a game-clinching interception, I believe, 
Um, don't quote me on that, but I, that seems to ring a bell. So I, I, I do like some things about Carl Joseph, and obviously the needed safety was huge. Yeah, it, I, I still think it's not completely fulfilled. The the move I like, and it, it's probably obvious because of the position, but signing Case Keenum on a three-year deal I thought was pretty savvy by Andrew Barry from the sense that I don't think he's going to push Baker Mayfield for the starting job at all, but I, I think he's going to push Baker Mayfield. You know, last season we kind of saw things were kind of made easy for for Baker, and I, I think this coaching staff and now this backup quarterback, they're not going to take it easy on him. They're going to kind of push him more than than he's used to, maybe more than he's comfortable with, but I think that's a good thing for for Mayfield. So I like that move a lot. I wish the Andrew Billings contract was more than one year when we when we were running down our team needs, which was either the last podcast we did or the one before that. You know, we, we mentioned a run stopping defensive tackle and he he's that. That's all he is. Um so I think that's pretty good in the Andrew Sandejo one. He's a he's a decent depth safety. Um, more of a culture guy, I guess you would say, for Kevin Stefanski would be my guess. But I, I don't know. I'm pretty impressed by the group of players that they brought in, Nate. But they're, I think the last estimate I saw, which is from Field Yates of ESPN, the, the Browns still have $43 million, but they've signed 10 players already. Do you think there's still a little more left for the Browns to do? Do you think they're going to make another big splash, or do you think they're kind of done at this point with free agency? Well, the big splash would be if they go out and they trade for Trent Williams, who we know once out of Washington, has for a long time, Hmm. and still is there. That would be the big splash, but I put that at a pretty low percentage, just because when I think of Andrew Barry and and Paul DePodesta, and Kevin Stefanski too, because let's face it, out of all the head coaches in the league, he, you know, advertises himself as being very much on board uh, with, with the analytics. And I'm thinking about long-term roster strategy, and I think that's why you're seeing a lot of these one-year deals. Andrew Barry, Paul DePodesta, Kevin Stefanski know that they're going to be paying Miles Garrett coming up here soon. Mm-hmm. They hope to be paying Baker Mayfield coming up here soon because that will mean that he – that he would have bounced back in a Jack Conklin fashion. They 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 hope to be paying uh, Denzel Ward coming up here soon. And uh, well, Nick Chubb, yeah. I keep saying that's a whole podcast in itself of what an analyst true is going to do when it comes to Nick Chubb. So I really I, I really don't bank on him getting that contract extension because of the position and and the guys in charge. But he right, we got to throw him in there. Is a, is a, is one of the the best young players, if not the best player on the team right now. Um, so when you look at those contracts coming up, at least the first three I mentioned, that that's what Andrew Barry's talking about when he's talking about long term roster strategy. So you get a lot of these guys on the one year deals. You mentioned Billings, yeah. Uh, I think it would have made sense to have him on more, but you know, I I they. Andrew Barry maintains flexibility by doing that with a lot of these guys. You know, the the the, the first three, the main targets that, that, that they went after and they landed, Conklin, Hooper, and Keenum. You know, um, you know, a couple of three-year deals and a four-year deal for for uh, for for Hooper. Um, but the other guys mostly one-year deals, uh, and 
you get guys on prove it deals, you get motivated guys, you get guys in contract years. That's something to like about it. And then you give yourself the flexibility with the big paydays coming up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's that's kind of how I look at what he's done so far. And, and, and yes, I do think that he can continue to, to, to pick up some pieces here, some depth pieces maybe through some of these shorter term, you know, deals with guys who are still available. And I expect them I expect to see a few names added, you know, that way. But in terms of the big splash, you know, outside of the what I consider a long shot for Trent Williams, I would say no. It, it's it's probably not going to happen. And, and just to close that thought on Trent Williams, the reason why I do consider it a long shot is, is because of what I'm talking about in this long-term strategy and vision. It just makes sense that when you have the 10th overall pick, you have a really strong offensive tackle class that we've talked about ad nauseum already here on this podcast in previous episodes. It makes sense to draft your left tackle of the future and, and, and your left tackle of 2020. You know, you have Bill Callahan. You have um, Kevin Stefanski. You've got these guys who know uh, that, you know, there's a certain uh, skill set that, that fits their scheme. Again, Bill Callahan, one of the most experienced and well-respected offensive line minds in football. You'd like to think that you'd be able to, to, to pick your guy at 10 who can come in and start for you and, and be a cornerstone in your franchise, and, and you get them cheap, you know, uh, relative to a, a, an established uh, proven veteran uh, with with multiple Pro Bowls on his resume, like Trent Williams, who's going to want a, a really big contract. You've already poured fourteen million dollars a year into Jack Conklin, and we and you got expensive contracts on the offensive line elsewhere. Joel Batonio at left guard and, and J.C. Treader at center. So, um, when it comes to allocating and thinking of long term roster strategy, allocating money for certain position groups, I think that the, the rookie left tackle um, is by far the most logical and uh, you know, likely scenario that we're going to see here. Yeah, that that has not changed whatsoever. And as as Nate said, we did talk about the offensive tackle group pretty pretty in detail. So check that out on a previous podcast in the archive, I guess you would call it. Um, is you there? Did, you yeah. did forecast something. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, you. yeah. Uh, you, just to give you to give you credit, you did forecast the Conklin conundrum. Yeah, and it's. It's what the it's Browns real. are going to face, and it's, yeah. it's perhaps even more so because of some of the the moves that the teams ahead of the Browns have made in free agency themselves. So um, they, they have to figure out if some of these right tackles can, can play left, quite frankly. Um, but in terms of what the Browns have been doing, has there been a questionable thing to you? And I don't mean, you know signing player X was a terrible move or a stupid move, but do you think there's a, a, anything questionable with what the Browns have done so far this offseason? Well, you can... I'm, I'm sure that there's things that people can um, pick apart. The one that comes to mind for me, just because safety is such a glaring need, and you mentioned you're not thinking that they're done, and I totally agree. Mm-hmm. I like Joseph, and I mentioned that. Uh, I like that move. Sandejo to bring in with Joseph, though, I'm not real sure if you have a free safety there. I mean, I think the Browns think both these those guys can play both positions, but I think they're mostly strong safeties in terms of experience. So I just wonder if you really have a guy 
to replace Demarius Randall yet. And, you know, I know Sheldrick Redwine's on the roster, totally unproven, though. Um, I just think that the Browns are probably going to try to find that guy in the draft. And then you got kind of a, a, a competition, you know, among a few guys to try to start opposite Joseph. Um, but right now, you know, I would just like to feel a little bit better about safety. Hey, Demarius Randall's still out there. No, I'm... He, yeah. he is still he, out there, but he, he is, and he's not coming he, back to the Browns. But no. he is out there, <laughs> right? Yeah, and some you know some of the other safeties that are still out there, they're they're more of these classic strong safety types, you know, like like Tavon Wilson is is a free agent, but he's kind of what what Joseph and Sandejo can do. So that, that's a good point. I'm also a little surprised they they haven't done more at linebacker. I think that one's kind of interesting. They brought in B.J. Goodson, and they, they have Mac Wilson and Sione Takitaki, but that's about it. So um, that, that one's a little strange to me, but they, they still have time, they still have money, and there are still plenty of players out there, most of them being very old is, is the catch. And I don't know, Nate, i got to tell you, I, I've been watching a lot of... Um, the NFL uploaded a lot of old games on their YouTube channel, and I've been watching a lot of old Browns games, like, from the 80s. So the nostalgia in me wants Clay Matthews Jr. on a one-year deal, I think, still. Um, I, we, we've talked about that in years past. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's he's kind of... You know, he, he's at the end of his career, is the nice way to say it. So... You know, I, I don't know that he would actually offer much more than nostalgia, but I just think that would be fun. <laughs> it would. I don't know how good of a fit he is either. Right. For this scheme, you know. But uh, I hear you, and I and I hear you about linebacker and and, and B.J. Goodson. You know, I mean, it's not that's not a, a sexy move. That doesn't give you confidence that they found the guy to replace Joe Schobert. You know, because Goodson's started a decent amount of games in his career, but he hasn't been. The you know play every snap, play every game with with few exceptions like like Joe Schobert and hasn't had nearly the career Joe Schobert's had and they were both fourth round picks in 2016. Um, careers have gone different directions, so yeah, I I I think right now what it says is they don't put a ton of stock in linebacker and maybe feel better as a new regime about the young linebackers they inherited than maybe at least I assume they did so mm-hmm. um, it, it has been interesting and and you nailed it I mean that's probably the biggest criticism uh, I probably went with a little bit more off the radar uh, less mainstream criticism in the, my <laughs> analysis of the safeties but I think you hit the, the nail on the head, the linebackers. When you think about Lamar Jackson and how yeah. how to stop him, I mean... That's tough. I think linebacker matters. And, you know, I don't know if B.J. Goodson's the guy who's going to run around and stop Lamar Jackson. Right. And you need a guy who's big enough to knock Ben Roethlisberger down or uh, that, that kind of stuff. So, Nate, let's quickly reset how we rank the Browns team needs after this 
first big push of free agency. Obviously, left tackle's number one. Would you say safety is number two at this point? I still I agree. say that and think that you're going to find somebody in the draft. I think that edge rusher is right up there, though. I'd hmm. say, you know, if, if left tackle's one and safety's 2A, maybe edge rusher's 2B. Hmm. Um, you know, uh, unless you want to put linebacker up there, maybe I would go that way. Maybe I would go linebacker. Let, let's reorder that. I, I'd say left tackle, linebacker, safety, and edge rusher. Hmm. So that, that makes me beg to ask this question. Olivier Vernon, what, what do you yeah. think his future is? Do you think he's, you know, is he going to get a restructured deal like Chris Hubbard? Is he going to get released outright? Do you do you think he has a future in Cleveland? Yeah, I, I don't think they know yet. So I should, certainly don't. But there's obviously the different scenarios that you can walk through and I think something is going to change. I just don't see status quo. I mean, I, it could happen, but I just don't think that they want him at that number. Um, there were three big contract questions, I think, kind of heading into the off season in terms of, you know, guys returning under contract, you know, so not necessarily Joe Schobert. I'm, I'm talking about a different category of player because mm-hmm. Schobert, we knew, was contract up. But Christian Kirksey, Chris Hubbard, and Olivier Vernon are the guys I was talking about. Guys who, who you know, hadn't met the, the expectations tied to those contracts for a variety of reasons. Injuries, you know, and a lot of, and for a lot of, basically other than Hubbard, injuries are the reason, or a big part of the reason. Um, so, yeah, they tried to restructure with Kirksey. Couldn't come to an agreement, so they cut him. He's with the Green Bay Packers now, reunited with Mike Pettin. Um, they could and did restructure Hubbard, and now he's in line to be their swing tackle or even get a look at right guard, depending on, you know, what else happens there. And They might have a competition with, with Chris Hubbard in the mix, Wyatt Teller, Drew Forbes, other names to mention at this point. Um, and then you get to Vernon, and so that's the one that's still unresolved. Adrian Claiborne does not affect Vernon, really. I mean, Adrian Claiborne is a, a rotational guy at this point in his career and has been for, for a while. Um, I think for like five seasons he's he's been that, you know, backup rotational guy. So he's not, you know, determining the fate of Olivier Vernon, but if the Browns draft the guy in the second round, that certainly could determine the fate of Olivier Vernon. So, I, I think it's still open-ended. Um, I did report a couple things last week about Vernon. Um, one was I asked um, someone familiar with the situation if the Browns had tried to restructure or if it was status quo, and I was told it was status quo at the time. Hmm. Um, and another, uh, I don't know if you saw, but Bart Scott, uh, former linebacker, NFL linebacker, um, He's an analyst somewhere, and he said something about the Browns are trying to trade um, Odell Beckham Jr. They have him on the trade block. There was a soundbite out there on one of these shows. Hmm. I, I'm sorry, I don't know off the top of my head. Yeah, I didn't even didn't hear which that. show. Yeah, but you know, it's it's constant, right? The mm-hmm. Odell trade sure. speculation. Just, it's it's like. People on Twitter, Twitter, wondering what the new uniforms are going to look like. These are just <laughs> things we live with every day. Right. So, um, 
So, uh, Bart Scott saying the, the Browns are going to trade this guy. They're, you know, they have him on the block or whatever. So I, I asked somebody in the league who knows who's on the block. Accurate information has given me accurate information time and again about who's on the block in the past. And I didn't ask any names. I didn't say, hey, is Odell on the block? I just said, hey, checking in. Hope you're doing well. Um, have you heard anything about the Browns and, you know, um, in terms of, you know, um, trade talk? And that was it. And the response I got back was the one guy they've shopped is Vernon. Mm. So, Odell. If, if 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 that's you know, I, and this is a really knowledgeable person who uh, again has been dead on in the past. Um, the one guy means they're not actively shopping Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, now Andrew Berry will listen, and he said he will listen when the teams call about Odell. So that does that does not mean that they're that, that they would never trade Odell. That it's out of the realm of possibility. Just means that based on everything I know and what I've been told, they're not actively shopping him. But Vernon is the one guy they have mm. been actively shopping or, or had been actively shopping, mm-hmm. depending on the, the timing, you know, whatever tense you want to use there. So um, the point I'm trying to make here is, oh, oh this person also said that, that, that Vernon is the one guy they, they have been shopping, but they they probably would have to eat some of the money on the contract. So the point I'm making here is nothing's happened with Vernon yet, but there is intel, um, you know, that I've become privy to that says that, you know, something could happen with Vernon, you know, and that maybe, maybe they, they, in, in shopping them, never get what they want or, aren't comfortable with eating as much money on the contract as they would be asked to complete a deal. So maybe it doesn't ever happen, you know, mm-hmm. maybe Vernon doesn't get traded. Um, so that's one way it could go, but it has been explored. And, uh, that's why you can't just dis- dismiss this Vernon thing and say, Oh, well, you know, it's April 1st now. So he's going to be with the Browns when they actually start playing football. Right. Um, it's it's fluid and, and TBD. Yeah, the only other kind of scenario that would be involved with Vernon, I don't know if this front office would do it, but it would be like the the Brock Osweiler trade where you give up a contract and a pick and get a worse pick back, kind of, just to get rid of money. Um, that's that's the only other possibility it could be, other than everything Nate has outlined. Yeah, yeah. That's that's interesting. That's good stuff, though. Um, so Vernon remains a guy to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you you know you got to wonder if day two of the draft, if the Browns take a, a pass rusher, if if Vernon gets moved on day three, um, that that kind of thing. So, is there anybody that jumps to the forefront of your mind when you think about where the Browns are picking in the second round? Well, or four three defensive end. That that's tough. And quite honestly, my mind, for some reason, I've been fixated on um, the Browns, you know, getting a left tackle in the first round and then one of the safeties in the second round, whether it's Grant Delpit from LSU or Xavier McKinney of Alabama. But, um, boy, it's it's not a great year for 4-3. 
ends. Marlon Davidson of, of Auburn's pretty good. Um, he's kind of similar size-wise to Adrian Claiborne. Um, they asked him to do a lot of weird stuff at Auburn because he was bigger and, you know, he played at three tech a lot, but I think he could be a outside player. But after that, there's, there's not a lot of great pass rushers on in the second round. I don't think, you know, you could reach obviously on someone like Daryl Taylor of Tennessee, who's a pretty solid player or, uh, Alton Robinson of Syracuse. That would be a big reach, but it's a position of need um you can see who falls i guess the, the guy from penn state whose name i always butcher eater gross mottos is a possibility so yeah it, it's it's tough it's such a hard position to fill is there any chance this uh guy who i hear kind of brought up is a potential second round target by people who go into the deep mocks and i know hell you're one of these guys who knows the draft like this Iowa, A.J. Epinesa, is that fantasy land to think he could be there? Would he be a fit? I think, I'm not sure he'll be there. You know, he's kind of, he's kind of, you know, in in terms of mock drafts go, he just keeps getting pushed back further and further, so it's it's possible, you know, but I'm not sure. I, I think he's too good of a player to last quite that long. Just from the standpoint of, you look at the guy, he's gigantic, but he plays defensive end. He screams one of these um, Pittsburgh Steeler defensive linemen. You know, like Cam Hayward, who you just put in there for 10 years, and he's he just kills other teams consistently. I, I think he's that kind of player. He's not flashy. He's not a speed rusher. Um, so I, I, I'm just not sure he'll be there in the second round for the Browns. It's all with him. Um, all right, yeah, I just had to throw that at you because, um... Yeah, it's worthwhile. I, I hear his name a lot. Yeah. That's interesting. So keep that one in mind. If it happens, Nate presented that here on April 1st, 2020. You heard it here first. <laughs> if it doesn't, then yeah. who cares? Yeah, yeah. Um... And that, that's how it goes. If it doesn't happen, hey, whatever. Anyway, uh, briefly, Nate, because I, I know we got to cut it off here shortly. The, the coronavirus stuff, obviously, is, is having an effect on most sports. The NFL, in terms of American sports, is probably the most beneficial, I guess, because they didn't have games actively being played, and their regular season does not start until... September, I guess. Um, but there, there is an effect on, on the league. The schedule release is going to be May 9th this year. The draft that was going to be in Las Vegas is now going to happen um, in NFL front offices around the country. And players are going to basically Skype in when they get picked if they're good enough to do that. Um, What's your take on how this is affecting the NFL? Well, it's it's weird because really, when when this when this became widespread in the U.S. and the NBA suspended its season, I'm thinking they're going to delay free agency and start of the league year. And there's a lot of speculation and talk and debate about that in media. And then they went forward with it, and 
then there was the same kind of talk and speculation about the draft, and they're going to go forward with that, too, in a much different way, though. However, so I, I guess what I'm, my point is, NFL offseason, the business of the NFL offseason has been uh, conducted, um, you know, really without missing a beat in, in, in some ways, but then radically changed, altered, and disrupted in other ways. And we're going to see more of those disruptions here this month. And really, on Monday, April 6th, that's kind of the start of things not being what they would be um, from a, the standpoint of getting players in uh, to off-season workout programs with first-year head coaches. The Browns, obviously, with Kevin Stefanski, are one of the teams with the first-year head coach and uh, or a new head coach to their program. And so they were going to be able to start their, off, their voluntary off-season workout program on Monday in Berea, and obviously – facilities are closed that's not going to happen and really it looks like the off-season program is going to be wiped out that there aren't going to be OTAs um, or mini camps and that the best anyone can hope for right now is training camp I mean that's kind of what it looks like right now and I'm not you know uh, an expert but listening to another podcast yesterday um, Adam Schefter you might have heard of him (laughs) Uh, you know, he had a really good guest on, as you'd expect, and his name was Tom Mayer. He's the uh, medical director for the NFLPA, and he really outlined uh, kind of what he thinks can happen moving forward, and he's still holding on to hope that there can be a season, uh, and that kind of the starting point would be training camp. But he mentioned, I thought this was something to keep in mind too, even if there is training camp and there is a season, what does training camp look like? What do games look like? Are fans going to be there? Are non-essential personnel going to be there for both training camp and, and games? So that's something that we're obviously a ways away from. We don't know. But things to think about, uh, you know, as we all deal with this, the Browns are obviously affected more than, than some other teams because they're new. Right, I mean, Andrew Barry's 33, youngest GM in NFL history. He fulfills his lifelong dream. He rises to the top of an organization to become the the, the uh, chief decision maker. And now he's got to conduct this funky draft in the, in the weird circumstances uh, with limited resources and data. They're not going to have these pro days to where they're going to be able to gather all this other information in addition to the combine. The medical information is going to be limited this year. Um, you know, there's, I mean, there's going to be, I mean, think of it. There's a long, long list. I can't name everything, but you're not going to have short shuttles on some guys. Like, you, There's just going to be information that you're just not going to have that you normally would have. And for a data-driven front office, I think it's going to be interesting to see how they handle that and how they adapt. Then just logistics of the draft, like, you know, if, if if the team facilities don't open for everybody to be in them and guys are operating out of, like, conference rooms and hotels with a limited number of staff to, you know, promote social distancing and all that, oh, what's that going to be like? Uh, how, how Are you going to be able to get teams on the phone uh, as easily? Are you going to be – are there going to be as many trades in the draft? Is, is it just going to be 
more difficult to to execute a trade because it's going to be more difficult to communicate because you just don't have as many people to you know work the phones the the, the IT setup all that I mean it's <laughs> go through it Dan I mean it's just it, it it's really going to be something to to see unfold and, and see how Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski adapt and everything but if you want to talk about adversity there's adversity for everyone in all kinds of ways um, and much more serious than sports and um, you know lives are at stake um, I can't thank medical professionals enough for what they're doing on the front lines and and, and you know there, there's so many serious implications with this um, when you get to what we talk about in sports and the NFL you know uh, the, it's not nearly as serious but the jobs are more difficult for these guys and um you know, it's 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 going to be really interesting to see how it all goes. So, you know, off season programs totally totally disrupted, draft disrupted, and so we're we're going to continue to see uh, how they're able to adapt and, and and change kind of on the fly, and given unprecedented circumstances. Mm-hmm. Well said, and you know, part of part of me can't help but wonder. You know, if it would have been easier for the Browns if if Alonzo Highsmith and Elliot Wolf were still there, guys who were working with the scouting staff throughout the whole college football season. So um, it, it's going to be really interesting. And, you know, in, in terms of, of things, like you said, it's compared to the grand scheme of life, uh, what we're talking about is a little inconsequential, but we wanted to do a podcast this week anyway, um, because we haven't done one. We like doing them. Um, I had some time today to do one. So, uh, that, that is it. Nate, do you have anything else this week before we get out of here? Well, I just do want to ask you, how is life at home going? I mean, how (laughs) are you, are you, are you are you watching anything? Are you are is there anything that you want to talk about real quick about? Well, you know the difference between being able to go out in the world and not. I've uh, I've never been indoors so much during this time of year in my life. Uh, that, that's a little weird, but um, like I mentioned, I've been watching a ton of old NFL games. Like last night while I was going to bed, I watched the. Washington, Doug Williams, Super Bowl against Denver. Um, and you just remember some of the players and, you know, what you thought of them as a kid. And, and then you start thinking, like, who would fit in the NFL now and uh, that that kind of thing. Like, Derek Thomas, I watched a Chiefs game. Derek Thomas would be a superstar even in the NFL now, um, the way he played and how good he was and that kind of stuff. So I, I've really enjoyed that. I've also um, fallen down the the rabbit hole of um, playing Animal Crossing. I don't know if you know what that is. It's a Nintendo game on, on the Switch. I don't know what the point is. All I know is uh, nothing bad in it happens. And that's, you know, after I'm done listening to the president talk for two hours um, about, you know, 100,000 people dying or whatever... Uh, I, I need stuff that, like, 
is carefree. So I, I play that a little bit for, for that reason. So how about you? Are you, are you up to date on anything hot and new? Uh, I did watch Tiger King, um, which isn't really uplifting. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, I did watch it. Um, I am watching Better Call Saul. Oh, yes. I'm really up to date on that. Yes. It's phenomenal. Are you you're watching it too? Yes. My friend and I, we text back and forth throughout each episode, and it's one of the highlights of my week at this point. Phenomenal. The the, the so end good. the end of the last episode is one of my favorite scenes in television history. Yeah, it it's strong week in, week out and uh, you know, I breaking bad we talked about it on here before. I think for me, you know, when I talk about shows and movies and stuff I, I get into it and uh, you know, I for my money, Breaking Bad's the best show from start to finish. I mean, that I've seen. Mm-hmm. And I haven't seen it all, but I thought El Camino, with the, the little kind of after Breaking Bad uh, movie that they did was phenomenal. And, and I think Better Call Saul has been strong from, from the beginning until now. Uh, Vince Gilligan, who looks like our old boss, Ron Ledger, knows <laughs> how to make TV. Yes, the he guy does. just knows what he's doing. Yeah. So. Shout out to him for continuing to entertain us um, and everybody else on that show. I'm a huge fan. I would say also I, I, I'm completely caught up on Netflix with uh, Narcos Mexico, hmm. which I highly recommend. And I am on in the early stages of season three of Ozark on Netflix. So um, all pretty popular shows, but if anybody listening hasn't seen them, thumbs up for me hmm. I, I will give one more I've been I try and watch everything this guy does there's a youtuber called emergency awesome while his stuff is a little bit clickbaity he uh, does deep dives into basically nerdy stuff like Marvel movies and you know he he's the type of guy who points out like did you notice this thing in the background of this random Marvel movie? Here's what it means for the future of, you know, the, these movie franchises. And he does these really, these really interesting dives into this universe of movies that I, I really like. So I recommend checking him out. All his videos are pretty short. They're a little clickbaity, like I said, but I don't know. He does a great job. So if you're looking for a not TV thing necessarily, Emergency Awesome's cool. Um, that does it for our podcast though today. Cover two. Oh, uh, yeah. Can I say one more yeah. thing? Yes. Uh, hey, one thing I, I put on Twitter, I'm trying to get people to tweet at me their recommendations because we talk movies, shows, and food on this podcast after we get done talking football sometimes. Yep. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get people to tweet at me, um, their favorite or whatever their, the top um, local Northeast Ohio food recommendations. And so, you know, if you know a place that you really like that's still doing carry out or curbside or whatever, this is a really tough time for a lot of businesses, for our entire company, for our business and the newspaper. Dan and I are going to, and everybody in, in our newspaper um, corporation under the Gannett umbrellas, we're, we're all going to 
be on furlough here coming up. Um, you know, so a lot of people uh, are obviously out of work. Businesses are struggling. One thing, just because I'm, you know, I'm passionate about uh, food and eating, uh, <laughs> I'm having people give me shout outs to your favorite um, local spots so we can retweet them. I can retweet them. We can promote them together. Give people ideas. Hey, you know, I, you know, I wasn't able to make dinner tonight because I'm on these Zoom meetings all day working from <laughs> home and trying to, you know, deal with kids or whatever the case may be. Um, go support some of these local restaurants that, you know, really need it at this time because I don't want us to get on the other side of this and just have chains to go out to dinner when we're finally allowed to get out again. Right. So. Like, I'm tweeting some of my favorites. You guys tweet at me. Um, I really appreciate it. It's just a little... I mean, there's so many more important things again, really, but when it comes to keeping local businesses open, that's really uh, a big deal, too. You know, it, it, not necessarily life or death, but the people who own these restaurants and work at them... Um, you know, their their lives are greatly affected, as, as so many others are, as this economy is affected by all this. And uh, I'm at uh, by Nate Ulrich on Twitter. So if you guys don't know and anybody hears this, I've got some, some tweets about local places. Fire my way. I'm retweeting all of them. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's, a, it's a fun thing, at least. Um... You know, a little bit before we got on here today, the the guys over at Diamond Deli on Main Street in Akron they announced they're they have to temporarily close. Um, I, I, I'm I would say they're they're friends of the podcast. Uh, I'm I'm comfortable saying that. I, I like those guys a lot, the Magalavi clan. Um, so hopefully they come back strong after all this goes away. You know, I, I the guy who owns um, now that of course the name of it's. Escaping me, the grilled cheese place on Main Street across from the Civic Theater. Danny. Lockview. Yeah, Lockview. You know, he had to close his taco shop next door. Um, so if you can, get out and support those people. And when you do, tweet at Nate. Um, because, you know, we like good food. And, and the people who run these places are generally great people. So do that. Tell us what you think the Browns are going to do in the draft. Um, we will try and see... Uh, about doing another podcast before the draft. Nothing guaranteed, because as Nate said, we, we're we facing a, a thing where we have to take some time off and we're literally not allowed to do work, which is, you know, for Nate and I, a, a very difficult thing, because that, that's what we do. We, we work. So um, we'll, we'll try and do another one before the draft. No guarantees, but that's going to do it for now for the Cover 2 podcast. As Nate said, he's at by Nate Ulrich. Find all of his work over at beaconjournal.com slash browns. Um, while you're over there, Katie Bayard published a list of restaurants that are doing takeout and, and that kind of thing. Search her name. You can find it that way. That's going to do it. Thanks everybody for listening. We will talk to you soon.